0: Good morning. Hello. Good morning. If you've got a Bible, you can turn it to Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 we're going to read. So if you can start finding that or searching for that, that'd be brilliant. I would really encourage you, if you can be here next week for Joseph Mwila, it's going to be a really, really great morning. Joseph um, is a, a wonderful guy, uh, planting churches uh, across Zambia. Um, serving the poor in that nation, developing businesses um, and um, he's working with us within Christ Central Churches and he's asked to come and be with us. So we didn't ask and he he said, look, I'm in the North East, I'm actually actually on holiday, I'm actually doing a bit of study but I'd love to be with you and so we said, yes, please, please do. So please do try and be here for next week for Joseph. Um, It'll be a great, great time. Um, Also, uh, next uh, weekend, or the Monday after that, is Halloween, isn't it? And um, one of the things that um, uh, one of our groups within Jubilee have been doing for a number of years now is actually going out and doing treat or treat, uh, going into uh, an area in South Bank and um, rather than knocking on their doors saying, give us some sweets uh, or we'll do something nasty, saying, look, we just want to bless you Here's a treat and uh, Rob and uh, Angie and Joan are uh, pioneering that and have been doing it for a number of years now and they're going to be doing that a week tomorrow Uh, and if you want to join in with them, hey, the more the merrier. They would love to see you be part of that. It's basically just knocking on doors saying, look, we want to bless you instead of tonight, taking something from you, blessing you and telling you about the love of God. Um, Very easy, very simple. If you want more information, come and see Rob um, or Joan or Angie Uh, a fantastic thing to do on Halloween. Okay, we're continuing our series entitled, Hello Jesus, People Encountering Jesus. And today, we're looking at Paul, the Apostle Paul. But I want to start by saying this, asking you a question. Have you ever wondered if... God really does have a purpose for your life. Or that if He does have a purpose for your life, that, that you're going to have to work really hard to see that happen and to show Him that you're up to it. Or do you ever feel downhearted looking for signs of interest? in Christianity, in a, a loved one, but actually struggling to ever see any. And if that's the case, then I hope this message is for you this morning and encourages you. As I said, we're going to be looking at Paul, the Apostle Paul, his dramatic encounter with Jesus and how he became a follower of Christ. You know, this is the man who took Christianity to far ends of the Roman Empire. He started churches. He grew and supported leaders. He told people about, uh, about the, the great um, joy of following Jesus. He's responsible for 13 of the books uh, or letters in the New Testament. And uh, as we we read through this passage, um, if you're not familiar with it, he's called Saul in this passage. And some people think that's because, well, at some point uh, he was called Saul and then he became a Christian and gradually changed his name to Paul. Some people just think that um, he was called Saul. He had two names, uh, like maybe you do. And uh, he just had Saul and Paul and he used them interchangeably. um, Just for the purpose of not getting into arguments or anything like that, I'm just going to call him Saul and Paul and you'll know I'm talking about the same person, won't you? Yeah. Excellent. So let's read Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, so there's a meanwhile there, things have been happening. The early church has been growing, seeing dramatic growth. But in the midst of that persecution, in the midst of that difficulty, people going other places, Evangelists going out like Philip. Meanwhile, meanwhile Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. <laughs> We've been kneeling this morning in worship, haven't we? Hey, here's someone who kneels, falls, uh, right now, not in worship. Uh, right now, in, you know, in awe of, of this experience, of this encounter. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard so many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, regained his strength. Okay, I've got three things this morning that I think Jesus wants to teach us about himself through this message on Paul. Three things his timing, his purpose, and his grace. Okay, look at me and say, His timing. Turn to the person next to you and say, His purpose. His purpose. Everyone look at Raj and say, His grace. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Not his grace. <laughs> the grace of God. His timing. Okay, so Paul is persecuting Christians, we read. We've already read in Acts, um, if you've kind of read before this, that his presence at Stephen's death. Stephen is a follower of Jesus, and Saul's there. He's going from house to house, looking for Christians, ensuring that they are then put in prison. He is—he calls himself later on in one of his letters. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He has spent his life trying to be the best Jew he can be. He's a man that sees these Christians as a danger to the Jewish faith and he wants to stamp it out. But actually he doesn't realise that actually it's a fulfilment of all they believe and are hoping for. He hates the message of this Jesus. You know, he is a man with a vision. He is so determined. He's so determined, he can't just stay in Jerusalem to try and stamp it this out. He's got to go to places where Christians are fleeing to, where they're running away to. So he says, right, they're going to Damascus. I'm going to go to Damascus. I'm going to go after them. Damascus is around uh, 135 miles from Jerusalem. It's like walking from here to Edinburgh. Has anyone ever done 135 miles? Anyone done that kind of distance? Maybe not in a day, obviously. Ah, yes. (laughs) Is it a long way, Nev? It took several days, yeah. And it would have taken Paul Several days. Most likely, people think he would have been walking, most probably. He's committed to his vision. And he's looking for any that belong to the way. This, it, this is this phrase that's used for uh, people who have started to follow Jesus, for Christians. And it's used again in Acts. People who belong to the way, people of the way. You no, know, Jesus Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to peace. Jesus is the way to true fulfillment. So he begins his journey. You can imagine, he's full of purpose. He's like, I've got my letters from the Jewish rulers, I've gone out and got them. I'm prepared. I know which synagogue I'm going to go to first, and then I'm going to go to this one. He's full of anger, full of rage. And in his view, rightly so. In his view, he's doing a good thing. And so as he approaches Damascus, as he is almost there, suddenly, Suddenly, there is a life-transforming moment for you. A blinding light. He falls to the ground. He hears Jesus speak to him, and now he cannot see. (coughs) Clever Bible scholars would call this thing, call this encounter, call this experience a Christophany. Uh, it's, it's, it's an appearance of the risen Jesus in this case. In, in fact, in a later letter, Paul puts this encounter on the same level as the disciples who saw Jesus after his resurrection on earth. However, now it's not from earth, now it's Jesus from heaven encountering suddenly do you know we can all relate to suddenly moments I think do you know those types of moments that happen in your life where suddenly things change a letter comes through the door or an email that you weren't expecting with some huge news and suddenly Suddenly, everything changes. It's a normal day. Perhaps you're driving your car on a normal route you take, and suddenly a car hits you from behind. Suddenly, you're not expecting it, but it changes things. I remember a normal day at school, it's a normal morning. Normal lessons a normal lunchtime normal lunchtime football a normal tackle and suddenly I'm on the ground rolling around with a dislocated knee. Suddenly not expected. Play football all the time. Suddenly things change. They were surprised. They catch us off guard. Jesus was, what, sorry, Saul was one moment a persecutor of Christians and now he's encountering Jesus powerfully for himself. And see, for Paul, this wasn't some kind of slow, gradual realisation of the love of God in Christ for him. No, no, no. Before he could take hold of Christians in Damascus, Jesus got hold of him. Before he could take hold of those followers of Christ, Christ took hold of him. See, we often look at people around us, I know I do, and I, I kind of think, do you know, they are so far off becoming a Christian why would it's almost like why would i waste my prayers on them why would i even even try to talk to them about jesus look at their look at their lifestyle look they've they've read all the anti god books they follow on twitter richard dawkins and sam harris they know all the they know all the right people to follow if you want to hate god They know, or they think they know, all the reasons why Christianity is wrong. My expectations are really, really low. An Australian Bible teacher recently in a Christian magazine, Michael Bird, was recently interviewed. And he kind of described his own conversion, his own coming to Jesus from a radical atheist he, he thought he knew there is no God to a follower of Jesus, and he kind of describes it in paul like terms he says he said, If anyone thinks they 're assured of their in their unbelief, I was more committed, born of unbelieving parents, never baptized or dedicated.' on scholarly credentials, a PhD from a secular university, as to zeal mocking the church, as to ideological righteousness totally radicalised. But he says, as I read the Bible, suddenly, suddenly I encountered this Jesus and I realised he was nothing like I thought he was. I realised that this Jesus of history was real and loved me. And he's written many articles, done many debates, written a number of books talking about why faith in Jesus makes sense. Listen, let this passage from Acts this morning just challenge you. Let it almost mess with your ideas About how people come to faith in Jesus. Let it give you hope for that husband, for that wife, for that son, for that daughter, for that brother, for that sister, for that friend who seems so far off right now. Listen, Paul was not too far off for Jesus to reach. And do you know what? Neither is that person you're praying for. Right. See, we we often look like we often look for the right signs, don't we? Just I think they're kind of open. I think they'd be open to hearing about Jesus. They're a nice person. They like quiche and kind of shared meals. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'd be open to hearing about Jesus. Listen let's pray for suddenly moments too. Suddenly where God breaks in. Suddenly where lives are transformed because of the amazing grace of God. Okay. Secondly, his purpose. See, it may seem suddenly to us. It may have seemed suddenly to Paul at the time, but do you know what? It wasn't suddenly to God. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 13 onwards. It'll be on the screen if you haven't, uh, if you can't do that as quickly as needed. This is what Galatians, this is Paul writing again a little later on, a little bit about this encounter and about his changed life. He says, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Zealous just means really passionate, really on fire. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. See, God always had a purpose for Paul. It was not like Paul was persecuting all of the, the, the early church and, and, G- and God Jesus is looking down on the situation and says man Paul's dead good man I really need Paul on my team oh man what am I going to do oh, right, here's what I've got to do plan B I'm going to have to bring Paul no no that's not how it is Paul says you know before I was born God had a plan I was set apart from birth God had a plan that Paul would take this gospel message, the far ends of the Roman Empire, he would take it to Gentiles, to non Jews, to you and I. Do you know what? God has a purpose for your life too. God has a purpose for my life. And this is how uh, the message paraphrase of the Bible translates something else. Paul says in Ephesians two, he creates us. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him. Join. Start again. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. See, you and I get to join in the good work he's got ready for us to do. We get to join in the work he does. It's like this. Sometimes I cook a meal at home. Hey, are you impressed? (laughs) Sometimes. Oh, Jodie's out of the room, isn't she? A lot of the time I cook a meal at home. No, sometimes. Sometimes I cook a meal at home and do you know what, sometimes Jodie will, pre- if, if we're kind of passing and she's going out and I'm coming in sometimes what she'll do is she will prepare the ingredients for me like I've measured out this, what you need, I've mixed these things together, I've left these things out on the table all you've got to do is just kind of work out how it all fits together and, and just, you, just need to, you just need to do it, I've done, I've, I've, I've done the preparation bit for you if I just came in and sat in front of the telly, and uh, put my feet up. Got my phone out. Do you know that meal would not get done? I couldn't say she'd come in. I couldn't say, well, I know, but it wasn't going to be possible. No, no I've done. It. I've prepared it. All you had to do was kind of walk through the steps. It's been prepared for a purpose. Not the greatest of illustration because actually even more when we're applying this to how God prepares good works for us, actually he strengthens us to do it and he's with us as we walk in those good works. We get to do it with him. See, this is our purpose, church, that Jesus might be known more in Teesside that people might be able to come, to come into this life-transforming relationship with Jesus, that the kingdom of God might be expressed to the vulnerable, to the marginalized, to those who need to know his love in difficult situations, that more attention and honor would go to our King Jesus, that more knees would bow as we were singing to Jesus. That's why we have a gift day. he's given us a purpose. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a job to do. He's given us an, a privileged opportunity to work with him in all he is doing in this place. And we get the wonderful privilege of joining in with our lives, with our finance, with all we are. From the newest Christian here, to the most mature Christian, from the youngest to the oldest. Whatever your background is, you're caught up in this purpose. You've been given purpose by God. You have purpose. And do you know what? That is not always for an easy, pain-free life. Is it? It's really not. Remember what Jesus says to Ananias about Paul. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Sometimes it involves effort. Sometimes it involves difficult choices. Sometimes it involves going against the tide of what my mates do or what my family say I should do. And it will often, most likely, involve stepping out of our comfort zones. What's Ananias' first response in this vision to Jesus, when he comes to him and tells him to go and see Paul, is it a positive one? It's a little bit cautious. But uh, uh, Jesus, I've heard of this Ananias. Uh, uh, Jesus, I've heard of this Paul. Um, he's he's going around putting people like me in prison, and he's overseeing murders. Uh, uh, are you sure? i am just wanted to double-check this with you, Jesus. But Ananias is called to step out of his comfort zone, called to be obedient, called to go to Paul. Hmm. This is a wonderful quote from Nicky Gumbel, him of Alpha Course fame. If you are on the Alpha Course or serving on the Alpha Course, you may know Nicky Gumbel a little better. Nicky says this, so many people waste their lives And he says it in such a lovely way, as Nicky Gumbel always says lovely things, that you can't be offended by it. They have no purpose, meaning, or goal. Other people do have a goal, but it is the wrong one. They end up chasing something that is ultimately meaningless. Many reach the top of the ladder of success, only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Purpose in life is far more important than property or possessions. It's true. Having more to live with is no substitute for having more to live for. Young people, let me speak to you as you're starting out often in life. So don't change that. Don't don't chase things that will ultimately be meaningless. Don't start out your life leaning your ladder up against a wall and realise that it's the wrong one. You have something to live for. Live for Jesus. That goes for all of us. Whatever age or stage, live for Jesus. His great purpose for you. Okay. His timing, His purpose. What was my last point? His grace. His grace. Paul says in that passage from Galatians we read God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. Grace is this. I've been a persecutor of the church. I've hated this Jesus. I've approved of pe- I've approved of the killing of people who follow him. Yet, despite this, because of the grace of God, I'm accepted by Him. See, notice, notice what Jesus says why are you persecuting me? See, we know, sin is usually more serious than we think. Saul thinks, I'm just persecuting Christians. I'm just persecuting these guys over here, these unimportant ones. But Jesus says, no, no, it's, it's much more important than that. You're persecuting me. But do you know what we see? Whatever he's done, however vile, however horrific... It's not beyond the bounds of God's grace. It's not beyond the grace of God. Perhaps that's you here today. Perhaps perhaps that's you. You think, I've done terrible things. My life has not been lived right. Or perhaps you're realising, do you know, my wrong life, I'm realising was actually all about rebellion towards God. Could God ever forgive and accept me? You are not beyond the bounds of God's grace. <laughs> Let's go back to that Galatians passage again. It says this, Paul says, when, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, See, grace says you can't earn God's favour, you can't earn his acceptance. Christianity is not some kind of form of rules, a pathway to earning God's acceptance by our behaviour, by our actions, by getting in Sunday attendance or um, uh, picking up our Bible at least once a day. It's It's God the Father revealing Jesus to us showing you and I that Jesus is God entering into our world, that world history centres around him, that the punishment for our rebellion against God was taken on by him on the cross. It can't be swept under the carpet, but he paid for it on the cross, the punishment we deserved, and that his resurrection means that we can know victory that he is able to come and transform us. That's the Jesus that is being revealed to you and I. It's a powerful thing. It's, it takes an enemy, a persecutor, and transforms him into a follower, into a friend. This is grace. See, we, we, think, we think we will impress God. We'll show him, we'll show God that he really needs us. Then he'll be pleased enough with us to accept us, to perhaps give us some purpose. But God says, by grace, I'll reveal my Son in you. And I'll do it in whomever, whomever I choose, regardless of background. Thank you, Lord. But grace, get this, grace requires a response. Grace is not simply Jesus overriding us and kind of almost automatically and robotically making us follow him and forcing us against our will. No, no, I think there's a hint to more than that here in this conversion of Paul, that he's looking for a response. Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul. Do you know that there are a handful of times when God repeats someone's name twice and it's always when he's looking for a response from them to trust in him to put their reliance in him Moses when he calls to Moses out of the burning bush look at I'm, Moses i want to use you to rescue my people out of egypt will you trust in me will you follow me will you follow that call Samuel, where God speaks to him. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. He said, I'm I'm making you a prophet to the people. Are you up for this? Martha, when she she is so busy and misses sitting at Jesus' feet, and uh, uh, and her sister Mary does. And Jesus calls to her. Will you trust in me, Martha? Will you be with me? Simon Peter. She says, Simon, Simon. You know, you're going to fail me. But I'm going to renew you. And I'm going to lift you up. And I'm going to use you. Will you trust in me? God calls... You and I by name. Such a personal, such a relational thing, isn't it? It's full of grace. And he calls us to respond to. He calls you and I to trust him. He calls us in his grace not to look back and say, but look at what I've done. He says, you know, I, can, I forgive all that. I'm calling you forward onto great purpose, great adventure with me, a great life where we do it together, where the attention and glory goes to me. It's so relational. And he's calling to you and I today. In a minute, we're going to respond. We're gonna worship, we're gonna take up the second of our gift day because we know we've been called to purpose. We know we've been called to adventure. We know that there is there are great works prepared for you and I on Teesside and beyond. And we want to give our all to that in grace, in faith. And how that's going to work is we're going to put this bucket out at the front and my two friends, Arslan and Ali, are going to hold some buckets at the back with some envelopes and some pens. And uh, if you've got your gift here this morning and you want to just put it in that envelope, if you haven't got one already from last week, you can go and grab one from them at the back. If you could go there, boys now, and just hold uh, those buckets, that would be fab. If you need one of those envelopes and a pen to put your gift in, Go and grab them during the worship and take one out of the bucket. We're going to give. We're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. If the band could come up, but I I just feel we do need to respond again in our hearts. Let's come before God again afresh. So he's calling... calling your name it's calling you by name today (laughs) twice he's got great grace for you he's got great purpose for you perhaps Perhaps it's a time of life at the moment. You just kind of think, God, what have you really got anything for me? Would you really, would you really even want to use me, be in my life? Listen, I, I believe by the Spirit, he wants to just come and pour fresh grace on you and I. Receive afresh the grace of God this morning. For great purpose. He's speaking to you. So it's so personal. You might just sense him coming afresh to you by the Holy Spirit right now. He's speaking purpose, he's speaking grace, he's speaking adventure. You might be in a really difficult situation at the moment. You might think, where's the purpose in this? How am I going to get through this? Listen, his grace is coming again again to you today to lift you, to envision you, to fill you with fresh faith. I believe he also wants to fill, fill... a number of us here, a fresh faith for suddenly moments in those around us, for suddenly moments in perhaps those we've been praying for for many years. He wants to fill you with fresh faith for that. A person who seems so far from God right now, suddenly brought into the kingdom suddenly transformed suddenly seeing the love of God in Christ Lord Jesus we 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 want to pray for those suddenly moments Lord we thank you for uh, gradual friendships we have we thank you for all those on Alpha and um, enjoying Alpha and Lord we want to pray also for suddenly moments in those around us Where suddenly you break in. Where suddenly enemies of God become friends. Mm, Fill us with fresh faith for that this morning. Fresh faith to keep praying. Fresh faith to keep pursuing. Fresh faith to be friends to those around us. Thank you for great purpose you have given us. Thank you for lifting us. What grace that we who despised you, that we who hated you in our hearts have become friends and lovers of God because of the grace that has been poured on us. Thank you. And so we love being called into great purpose. And as we take this second of our gift days, we do it in worship. We do it not out of legalism, not out of any way to impress you, but in love and worship, knowing you've called us to great things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's worship. Let's give our gifts. I know many people gave last week as well, which we're so grateful for. But let's stand and let's worship. And uh, as you feel led, just come out and uh, we'll Put your offering in the big yellow bucket and let's celebrate together this Jesus.